0: And now, on with the show Hello! Welcome to Film Fracas, the podcast about friendly film competition
1: Hello.
0: I am your host for today, Carter Spilliards To my right, I'm joined by the lovely Robbie DeShazer Hey guys, what's up? And to his right, the nonplussed Phoenix Zerola What's up, what's up? And to his right, the one and only copacetic Brett The Rock Johnson. Happy to be here.
2: How's everyone doing today? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good.
0: Doing, yeah. doing fine.
2: I'm doing good and I'm a little sleepy. A little sleepy? Yeah. Sleepy. But, but, I mean, we're on... Yeah. I mean... I just had a long day. in here. Yeah, I just had a long day. A yeah, long yeah. day? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It happens. I mean, it's only... I mean, it's only 10 in the morning, but...
2: It is not 10 in the morning, but... Why would you lie like that? <laughs> Why? You had no need to I write. don't want people to think I had
1: a 30-minute day, and it's
2: long, and I'm complaining. At the point. Uh, it looks ma- bad on Maybe these people thought Christmas you woke Christmas. up at yeah, like we, 5 in the morning. We,
3: we are just That's roaring out of the gate aren't we? <laughs> well, yeah. well, uh, glad to hear everyone's doing good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sleepiness aside, so uh, yeah, this is what, episode 4? Mm-hmm.
2: Episode 4. Okay, all I'm all right. I'm excited for this one.
3: So uh, yeah, last week was our... Uh, double elimination, killer <laughs> jaw dropper round. Yes, and uh, this week uh, we're gonna have a uh, more fracas.
1: Yeah, uh, what an exciting round uh, we had last week. It was riveting. It was. It, brought, <laughs> it was something. It was polarizing. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was well. <laughs> oh, it took forever. It was a- yes.
2: All right, but. That's the name of the game, and I'm ready to play.
3: I thought the name of the game was Film Fracas. The name of the game is Film Fracas. the name of the game is
2: That Was Polarizing, but
3: (laughs) that's the name. All right, well. That's awesome. We'll see how polarizing uh, today's round is. Yeah. Uh, So the films we got left are Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Iron Man. Yes. Who Barely Survived the Cut. It was We got Hard, (laughs) Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and The Princess Bride. Yep. Robocop and Lilo and Stitch and... Moonlight and last but certainly not least the silence of the lambs
2: that is a fact so, we still have such a
1: great field God, of yeah, films we still, we, we have, yeah no they're all good solid. movies yeah
3: all right, and so we got a couple of uh, couple of uh, topics in our uh, virtual hat absolutely uh, Robbie. whenever you're pull, ready to pull one of those out you go ahead and do it
1: all right this week's category is best antagonist oh, oh. Dun, dun, dun. oh. what a what a oh. good... Talking about the bad guys. Here
3: oh, yeah. we go. I'm excited. Oh, goodness.
1: So... so anybody want to... Who wants to go first? Start, starting, I should ha- I, I can do a random thing picker. Just Carter. i do could a random
3: you, thing picker. guy I not go first?
1: Yeah, Brett's going first. I also don't want to go
2: first. So yeah, I feel right. like one, what, cool I feel Same. like one,
3: one of you two guys. Simavar, our- Robbie, Carter, One I'll, of you two. Flip a coin. I'll go first. E- Carter's going to go. Carter's. I'm going to go
1: first. Seeing <laughs> the bigger man. There we go. Well, all the right. good news is it the random thing picker did pick you two. Oh. Hey, it hey, was yes. meant to be. It was,
3: the stars are aligning. Destiny.
1: Checkmate, atheists. Can <laughs> <laughs> your precious science <laughs> prove that? All
3: right, oh, all, right all right, all right.
1: Just alienated our audiences. So uh, let's begin
0: with the Princess Bride. The one and only, uh, you know, wonderful story. It, the bad guys here are really, it's twofold. You've got Prince Humperdink mm-hmm. and uh, Humperdinck, and uh, the six-fingered man, who's really his lackey. Uh, by, ex- by extension, there's uh, kind of, uh well, Sean's character. Kind of. A little bit? A little bit. I mean, He's antagonistic. And he's, he's taking up pretty quickly.
1: I think you got to mm. choose one, though, to be your... Just one? Yeah, to be mm. your best antagonist for the... Uh, okay. So I would
0: uh, choose Prince Humperdinck. Uh, he's very much like... The, he's the Prince Charming of the story, and he's made to look like it, but he's not the Prince Charming. He's the, you know, whiny, rich kid prince who, you know, doesn't always get what he wants, and in this scenario, definitely doesn't get what he wants, and he's... You know, actively plans to murder his wife right after he marries her and start a war between their country and Gilder. So he's a pretty bad guy. He's not not fun, but he's like bad in a fun way. Kind of like because it's a comedy. He's pretty lighthearted, but he's he's pretty solid.
3: I do not remember this movie at all. No. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. since I don't recall You're a hard time? any of that. <laughs> Yeah, we. we I, 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 I thought I was remembering more, but I guess I should just sit down and watch this You're movie. Four weeks
0: in, you still haven't watched this movie,
3: Brad? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> I've saying. Been busy. I'm just
0: saying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. We've got uh, so just one. I can't just pick the Nazis.
1: You got, as I, a you,
3: you, I feel like you got to just pick one. That's
0: fair. Hitler is in the movie.
1: I don't think he's the main but, antagonist. No, he's not. No, the main I mean, antagonist of the movie is... He's the is, main uh, antagonist of all of our lives. <laughs> you know? Comp-
3: competition's over if you get to pick Hitler.
0: <laughs> no, definitely main bad guy. We have
1: to shoot Hitler off the moon. Is, uh, so.
0: Yeah. Uh, Walter Donovan, who is, starts the movie, as we are to be believed, as a, uh, a friend of Indiana Jones. But uh, we learn later that he just wants the grill for himself. And uh, wants to find it for the Nazis. He's he's in cahoots. It's not good, it's a bad not dude. Good at all. No. But luckily, he does not choose wisely. He chooses poorly, and uh, gets his comeuppance. But he's a pretty bad guy. Elsa
1: works with him too. She's not very. She's not great. No. no. But she is. I've mentioned it. I think every episode at this point. Why does Indiana Jones keep saving the Nazi girl? I mean, he he really likes her. So she's a hot Nazi girl. I don't. She's a hot
2: <laughs> hot see for the Nazis First
1: for shi- for shirt we make for the show But <laughs> oh, she's a hot seat <laughs> Oh yeah.
2: You know I don't
0: think
1: anyone would wear that shirt The silence after I said I would that hope not. Um, Showed no, exactly the market uh, Not wanting that shirt okay, nope. I'm, g- I'm, g- I'm going to say we move on <laughs> I'm yeah. not a Nazi right. we'll, we'll So what do, y'all, right what, do y'all, what do y'all think of those two? <laughs> I think you got some decent picks there Some classic um, antagonists yeah, I mean like neither of them are terribly iconic So to speak
0: but right, you
1: don't, you don't have Darth Vader. No, 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 no. But
0: they're both, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think they're both good for their movie, because, like, I mean, you've got Prince Umperdink as the anti-Wesley, mm-hmm. as any good antagonist should be a reflection of its protagonist. Right. And Walter Donovan isn't necessarily the anti-Indy. He's more like what Indy works actively against, because he's very much like a rich kind of artifact dealer yeah. kind of thing, whereas Indy's more like, it belongs in a museum. You belong in the music. <laughs> so. I'm taken care of by
3: top men.
2: Yeah, I would say those villains, or antagonists, sorry. Um, I would say those antagonists are not really standout, but, I mean, they serve the job for those movies. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: There's I mean, nothing to write home about I, with those antagonists. I feel like, especially in The Last Crusade, some of them could be, like, the, like Walter Donovan in that one, Kind of has like not as strong of a role in as being an antagonist, though he is the main one. Um, but in even in those movies, it's not really needed for that kind of mm-hmm. like you know immediate threat, especially since like the big threat is from the actual place yeah, the they're artifact, adventuring, yeah. not yeah, the artifact, not necessarily the person that Indy is rivaling against. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Nothing nothing crazy good, but you know, they, they serve it well, so it's they're fine. They're fine picks. Right. Uh in Prince Humperdinck's
1: defense, I will say what he lacks in say complexity and nuance of other villains that we may get to be talking about, uh, I think that's kind of intentional. He's very oh, yeah. much the storybook, you know, black and white evil kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Some of our films get a little more nuanced mm-hmm. about, you know. Why you know, people's motivations yeah. and they really do think they're doing the right thing and yeah. you know. Well, I mean, the Prince's Bride, kind of on its
0: you know, at face value is a satire. Right. And so you wouldn't expect a multi layered super that's, complex villain. Because that's not what you're going
2: in right. looking for. Plus his name is Humperdink, that's so you're kind of against <laughs> him already. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like you don't want to root for him just on name alone, even if he was a good guy, like They, they, yeah, I'm not rooting for Humperdinck at all. It's like,
3: it's like if you were like driving across the country and you were just driving through Iowa and there's some diner on the side of the road called Humperdinck's, like
1: you wouldn't want to go there.
3: Right. It just sounds unappealing.
1: Well, can we talk about like, I mean, I think you're skipping out on one fact about him, which is that like in the story, he just picks Buttercup and is like, I don't care how you feel about me. I'm going to put babies in you for the rest of your life. Like that's. Well, Yeah. Like it's a I, I mean, mean yeah he kind of picks her out and is like you'll be my wife. Mhm. I mean like we can that's a scummy thing to do. It I is think it's a you, very scummy thing to do. I don't think you were skimming over it. <laughs> I like, think I mean th- yeah. those are some points in your favor there, I think. That's true. Be. I was thinking the more overt moves he makes in the movie. I think I think there's
0: something to talk about there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um I do think that uh not a nice guy. Not a savory character. No. It's almost
3: like he's an antagonist.
2: Almost. Ooh. <laughs> Buzzword of the day. <laughs> <laughs> do we have so what you presented an interesting case and I th- I have a thought that came to my brain but um for antagonists do they always have to be evil or do they just have to get away get in the way of the protagonist because I wonder if, do we have any movies here in our that we selected where the pro- antagonist isn't necessarily bad because there's movies that are coming to mind where the antagonist isn't necessarily in the wrong like a lot of like Give us an example of what well, you're a lot like of like at. crime movies, like like Godfather, Goodfellas, or something. We antagonists are like the cops; like they're not necessarily in the wrong, but they're definitely the antagonists of the films. And I think, and that, I think in those situations, yeah, but, but there, when you're kind also of rooting like for, like for anti like, rival, yeah. Families usually, in the Godfather, true. There's usually a bad guy, in true. The movie. But I think a good antagonist sometimes, and this is you know going on a small tangent, mm-hmm. but right, I think yeah, some yeah. good good you. antagonists are understood, even yeah. in like. Maybe in something like Black Panther, where yeah. we had an antagonist who we kind of were, like, at least for me, like, logically I was on his side. And I feel like that makes him a great antagonist because I kind of didn't disagree with him. But he right. definitely was the antagonist to Black Panther. Yeah, that's true. I think, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case with the newer movies
0: today. I think. Yeah, I think all of ours are pretty think, good versus evil. Yeah, yours, At a
2: small level. Yours is minor mo- level. I mean, Moonlight. <laughs> We'll get to mine. Yeah, we'll get to mine. That's probably, we'll, we'll, that's probably we'll, we'll the most there. fuzzy. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to, to mine. These. We've got yeah. some. I'm. Don't worry. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those are, these are a lot of things for
1: us to think about, and you know, yeah. Yeah. in None future of God, seasons of the show, first. we may even get into stuff like that. You know.
2: Yeah.
1: But, um, but, right. but I think you've got some good picks yeah, there. I think
0: they're both decent. I don't necessarily think they're you know anything right at home about, like you said, but I think they're both. They I feel like they're both the movie. Saved? They're solid,
1: probably very middle of the road. I would, not, yeah, I would say you're not very, shooting for the stars here, here, but you're. But they're, I mean, they're not bad. Yeah, I don't think you've got anything lacking no. necessarily. Yeah. All right. Which way are we taking this? We'll go to me. B. A. Awesome. A. Who do I want to talk about first? I've got two films. I've got Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I've got uh, Iron Man. We'll yes. we'll start yes. with the more you classical. Villain of... Uh, I guess I have two pretty classical villains in a certain sense.
0: a
3: certain uh, sense.
1: So we'll start with Iron Man. Uh, of course, our antagonist is Obadiah Stane. Obadiah uh, Stane. Known as... Uh, is he Iron Man, Mong- Iron Monger. Iron Monger yeah. in the yeah. comics, although that name's not bestowed upon him in this movie, so no, that's beside exactly. the point. Oh, but wasn't when he was uh, turned into a toy. Oh, it for,
3: was? For, for merchandising, yeah, they referred to him as the
1: Iron Monger. That's... I That's believe. a good thing to know. I didn't know that. I was never a big toy collector. But let's talk about Ob- Obadiah Stane. I think he's a great villain. He's got a lot of layers to him. He, you know, was kind of the, he was the second banana to Tony Stark's father. You know, I and he ends up being kind of Tony's right-hand man and, in a sense, his best friend at the beginning of the film. We find out towards the end he's been, you know, Regardless of what Tony said about Let's stop making weapons He's been selling weapons To essentially, you know The bad guys, to the terrorists And, I mean, he builds the Iron Monger suit And beats up on Tony But I really really like him Because he does have some layers to him He, in his mind, is doing what he thinks is best For Stark Industries He really has a vision of his own for it He thinks that Tony's kind of going out of his way To ruin his father's legacy Ruin the company, ruin him And I think... While he does some bad stuff and he, you know, does some real evil stuff. We talked about, you know, Obadiah Stane pulling out Tony's heart, essentially, and letting him die, you know, sit there and die. But he does it in the name of, you know, trying to save the company that he loves and has kind of spent his entire life around. So he's got some nuance to him. He's got some layers. He's a real interesting guy to talk about. Mm -hmm. I think he's a fantastic villain. I think he's a great antagonist to Tony. I think in the Marvel movie so far, he's kind of the best antagonist to Tony so far. I feel like he's the only one that's had kind of a mind that's matched his or a ruthlessness that's matched to Tony's other than like Ultron kind of got there because he was just kind of Tony's invention. That, that's a whole nother can of worms. Oh, it's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> We'd be here worms. all night if we were talking but about But I think Obadiah Stane that. is a really good villain, especially for the beginning of, this, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's move on to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We're going to talk about Judge Doom, again, we talked about him last week when he be- turned into his toon form and mm-hmm. screeched and scared the crap out of every child ever. Let's talk- so he's kind of, in a sense, while being a fantastical tune kind of villain, he's also got some of the uh, noir villain elements. He's not really... Outright evil till the end. Mm-hmm. But what, you get a twist with him. You get a, you get a twist. Yeah. He, he get the framed
0: Roger Rabbit. He did. <laughs>
1: but um, his. Like, I think that it's just hilarious to think that, like, kind of like Chinatown, kind of like other noir movies, like, the enemy is kind of the establishment, the, you know, the corruption that's going on in this town. And Judge Doom represents that. He wants to turn Toontown into a freeway. Like, it's. Absurd It still kind of fits into that noir mold that we've talked about Roger Rabbit being so great with, but also it's absurd and it's kind of a fun thing to laugh at. You know, kids can be like, he wants to turn Toontown into a freeway? <laughs> what a joke, this guy, you know?
3: And Valiant even, like, makes a crack mm-hmm. about it. He's like, only a Toon could come up
1: with such a loony idea
3: right? something
1: like mm-hmm. that. Well, and I think he's. that's why he's such a great... He's, you know, he's got this weird goal and you're like... I don't know why you went to all this trouble to make a freeway like <laughs> but he's so, he's so much fun he does progr- provide a great foil to you know our protagonists in Who Framed Roger Rabbit I think you know he's he represents more the ideas that uh you know of corruption and of establishment that noir films like to kind of rag on and so yep. for that I think he fits the mold I think he also stands out uh, above other villains at times. I think he's a lot of fun. He's very memorable. Um, I don't have much else to say about him. What do you guys think? I think um,
0: yeah, I think Judge Doom is a good one. I think he's a great balance for kind of Roger Rabbit and, and Valiant. Well, he, yeah, he kind of embodies, he's a, well, he's both cause he's a human up until he's a, up until he's a tune, uh, up until he's a tune. So it is very much for both of them. I think Obadiah Stain, um, he's not like mustache twirling. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty borderline that towards as the film progresses. So I'm kind of, I'm going to like, I'm going to meet you halfway on your breakdown of him. Cause I do think he's got some, I think he's got some complex relationships and motivations. But I think when you get closer to the end of the movie and like once it gets to the point where he's like ripping Tony's heart out and stuff I'm like, all right, this is this is a little campy. It's a little which is I mean, it's good for, I think, a comic book movie, because that's what you would want with a villain like that. But he's very much like this was our plan. And he speaks of like another organization And it's been kind of speculated that it could have been Hydra, because that was later, or the Ten Rings. So, I think it's appropriate for the film, but I do think he's a little, he's a little little campy. I think he's fun. But, I don't,
1: I. It's not bad. It's just an observation. I don't know if I agree with him being campy. I do, because I think he's clearly your villain throughout most of the film, up and you know. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. You know he's the bad guy. You kind of understand he's got ulterior motives throughout the whole thing. But I love how ruthless he is. Like you know, talking to the guy. You know, Mm -hmm. once he figures out that you know Tony's got and the name escapes me, the uh, The, arc reactor. Arc reactor power. He's like, you know, when he pretty much grabs the guy by the you know by the throne is like, Tony made one of these with a car battery in a cave, like, (laughs) and you know. Oh, and yeah, like, no. you're telling me that the, the most highly paid scientists in the world can't figure out how to make this? You know, I don't know. I like how ruthless he is. How he's a lot I of know. fun to watch. He's oh no, definitely.
0: I just think that kind of feeds into that very kind of comic bookish, which is appropriate for the comic book film.
1: Yeah. Anybody else got something to say?
3: Um, I kind of, kind of going to say the like reverse of what Carter oh. said, because oh. like, cause, like, I I think Obadiah is a great villain. Yeah, he's got. He's got those layers. He's he's playing the long con. He's been kind of like tearing down Tony's legacy behind his back, and then like he's still undermining Tony when like Tony comes back. He's like, "Oh, hey, like our company's been doing the wrong thing." He's like, "Okay, like I'll okay, I'll I'll make it right." No, I'm not gonna make it right. And he's still there, just totally undermining everything. Then like, yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything campy about Obadiah staying. I feel like all the camp is with. Judge Doom when he turns into a tune starts well, screaming. No, and definitely, everything. definitely oh, sure. that. But yeah. I think
0: I think once he's in the suit chasing Tony around and ch- ch- like chasing after Pepper and stuff, I think once he's gone like full evil villain, like dresses up in the suit way to attack people. It's pretty like.
1: But I think you're going to get that in most comic book movies. I know, and
0: as I said, that,
3: that also doesn't make him any less of a
1: no good. As I said, I never, villain.
3: I never
0: said it was bad yeah just kind of like just kind of like
3: the way you were saying just an observation like, okay like the, the way i was interpreting what you were saying were kind of like oh like you were making it sound like that kind of like negated no no it or, wasn't oh, no okay yeah that, that's it that's wasn't, that's my bad my it wasn't bad.
0: meant as a value judgment it was just an observation okay. that because okay. I, I just robbie was talking about how nuanced he was the entire time and i was like Really, kind of the end, he he loses a bit of the subtlety and nuance when he's, like, chasing him around in the big iron suit. Okay,
3: so, like... I think just once, like... For for nine-tenths of the movie. No, I know. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, once the cat's out of the bag that he's a bad guy. Yeah, again,
1: it's not a value judgment. I just think...
3: That's my observation
1: about it. That's my bad. Once he he doesn't have to sneak around anymore. Yeah. Like, once he's in Tony's face about it, I think, yeah, he gets... But But he also just gets to be outwardly evil, then, which is something he's been... Holding back the entire film, I think. Yeah,
3: that's true. I, I'm I'm actually not as super impressed with Judge Doom because, like, yeah, he creeped everybody out for that one scene, but like for like basically the like he's not really around for the majority of the movie. You see him a couple of times, and he's there. Christopher Lloyd with the black glasses, dressed all in black. Oh, d- I love it d- to, like, oh yeah, it's great, but it's just kind of like he's just kind of like. Like, he, like, he's just kind of around, doesn't really do anything yeah. until the very end where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a tune." Here's the creepy scene that everybody's going to remember me for. And you were talking a lot more about, like, what he represents. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, he he does represent all that. But it's like in terms of like, actually, like, er, no, that's not the right, not the right choice of words. But it's just kind of like, I just feel like he's not around a whole lot he's and not yet. like actively like
2: doing everything. He's not everything. actively like, present. Like,
3: so. Yes, he did frame Roger Rabbit. But then, like that, also kind of comes with the noir story of right. figuring it out, and so I'm a little conflicted on that because I'm kind of yeah. like, yeah, like he shows up, but like not until like the very end where he's like, yes, I am the bad guy, yeah, and he goes full tune. But then it's like that's also, yeah, yeah I'm just repeating myself. At this I feel point. like
1: if you saw him like scheming the whole film though, it would then, li- then like the, that, the, that the that film would, overall would, would suffer from yeah, that.
3: that. That's why I'm like kind of conflicted with it. No, and that's someone to
1: judge. Like it's one of those where it's
0: supposed to be. Like a big twist. He's the bad guy. Yeah. Cause that's part of the shock value with it. And so you wouldn't necessarily have that much development with him beforehand. Mm-hmm. And also you don't necessarily get that in, in some noir picks. It's just kind of like, Oh, like, he's the bad guy.
3: Like, yeah. So, but it, I, I, but I really like him. Oh, sorry. Phoenix.
2: <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, um, I it kind of echo Brett's conflict because I was going to say, I felt the same, um, in terms of food Framed Roger Rabbit. Because uh, I agree, like the noir kind of tale and the point of the movie, would you would lose you would lose what the you would you'd lose, lose overall quality. You lose the quality if you had more of uh, Judge Doom. Um, but I'm trying to think because in some noirs you can see how uh, the antagonist trickled down and like caused conflict when they were trying to solve the case. And I don't know if I see that in this one. It kind of yeah. seems like they're just bouncing from clue to clue until they find Judge Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, in... Um, there, are, there, are, there are other noir t- tales where you can see, oh, this, like, mastermind was actually preventing us from finding these clues because of this and this and this. So, in terms of antagonists, I don't see him as, as a very active one in a noir sense. Though I do understand that the mystery and the kind of less seen he is, the more or n- not necessarily the less seen he is, but it, you, I kind of understand why I shouldn't fault him for not being mm-hmm. so active. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm I'm I echo Brett's conflict in that mm-hmm. because I agree. Like it's yeah. it's, it's it's tricky. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, I just, uh, oh, oh, no, just
3: want to say real quick, talk, Carter talking about like the big twist. It's like. I like how, like, I, I love how Who Framed Roger Rabbit like totally turns that on its head because it's like the whole movie, like you kind of know Judge Doom is the bad guy. The mm-hmm. guy, the man's name is Doom. He's dressed right. up in black. The first time you see him, he kills a Toon shoe for really no good reason. But I love how the big twist reveal is like, <sighs> oh, he's a Toon, and it's like, oh, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's just like. Like again, I just like I feel like I should just yeah. keep keep singing my praises for this movie. Yeah, it's a great. <laughs> in, c- movie. in case we haven't done that enough yeah. on this podcast,
1: what I will say is nice about it is, yeah, they could just they could have you know been like, ah, oh, Judge Doom was the bad guy and like, but they have that they have that twist and it almost turns from a noir villain. And, and you know, there's a little bit of an action scene at the end with stopping Judge Doom mm. as he you know. It's he, not just he's, like, he's ah.
3: spray the dip we, on everybody. Yeah.
1: We figured it out. Cuff him. Like, they really, yeah. they could have done that, and I think they chose <laughs> something a little more fun that does set him apart from The others. real
3: villain was, judge, do. <laughs>
2: I could have gotten away with it. In terms of Iron Man... How do, okay, real quick, just so I don't flub the word, because I always flub his name. How do you say the villain's name? Obadiah Stane. Obadiah Stane. I always say like, <laughs> like Obadiah Strain or Stobadiah Lane or something, but Obadiah oh. Stane. <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi Stane. Yes. Obadi-
0: Obadiah Stane. Who's who lives on
2: Obadiah, Dr- Obadiah Lane. Lane? Exactly. Um, Excuse me. Well, he's <laughs> married to the Muffin Man. This, oh boy. this is where okay so I I recognize I'll be in the minority of this but mm-hmm. I've always thought of him as vanilla ice cream in the sense that vanilla ice cream is good yeah well in the sense <laughs> no. that vanilla ice cream is foundational we go. and not in like kind of similar or vanilla ice cream is like it it's regular it it like it solves the problem. It, you know, it, it, I don't know how to describe it, but it gets, it, the, job it, it gets the job done. It gets the job done. It's I fine. Like, I feel like I threw you it's off fine. by immediately
1: being like vanilla ice cream's he's, good. Take that he's, back.
2: Yes. he's white bread. He's white bread. Yeah. Exactly. White like, bread also good. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think oh, it's like boy. cake. Cake's bread. good. And <laughs> cake is good. And I'm trying not to sand
3: it. Stop using food analogies.
0: Because
3: <laughs> all food is good. He's like chalk. <laughs> he's, he's
1: like white he's chalk. chalk. I'm sorry? <laughs> he's not chalk also gets the job done. <laughs> I, I was he's like chalk. He gets thing. the job done, but you really another wish one. you had a dry erase board. <laughs> yes. Um if only you had a dry erase <laughs> yeah. board. Yeah. But uh, that, that's
2: just my point. Like I don't I don't think it's a fault either way. Oh, I've oh, just boy always like it's kind of i mean more similar to how to carter's villains where i'm just like i wouldn't write home about but obadiah like, Stane personally but i mean i'm not gonna sit here and say he's a bad antagonist because i mean he does stop tony stark like again yeah. or prevent him from be like his goal and like stay in his way so i mean that's what an antagonist does i mean marvel's pretty good at replicating that in their movies um varying on complexity but at the very least like having someone be a direct conflict and i think it's a testament as Ob- obadiah's
1: yeah,
3: saying. yeah. Super science.
2: they found what worked and they did it again so many times it's All true right. phoenix yeah okay so i will start with the one that's the easiest to talk about <laughs> as i see everyone's waiting to hear about <laughs> the other one but let's talk about Science of the lambs for a little bit this tricky because you can only pick one uh, yes, and I'm going to go with Buffalo Bill, and here's oh. why. Ooh. Here's why. I was ready to, to I, pick I, Hannibal
1: Lecter as my winner. I think that's the right choice. I mean, I think it's the right choice, but I was like, I was ready to be like, I and, can't and, pick
0: and, anyone and, and else anyway. but Hannibal Lecter. I make the argument the way, but yes, continue.
2: I'm going to go with Buffalo Bill, and I understand because, I mean, I think Hannibal Lecter is a very famous character. I don't know if I'd call him the villain in this movie, because... Buffalo Bill is the case of the movie. He's the one that they're trying to figure out. It's He's true. the one who stole or kidnapped the girl, has her in her well, and is you know torturing and killing all these women. Um, and Clary Sterling is trying to find his whereabouts and find who he is. You know, she's like I we've discussed her before, but you know she's a rookie cadet out of her element, um, trying to stop this mad like like pretty clever and smart killer. Um, I think Hannibal Lecter while unconventional is very helpful to Clary's in yeah. finding mm-hmm. Buffalo Bill. So he almost works as this pseudo partner or like kind of person, mm-hmm. uh, person of interest that can help her out. So I, when you look at him in terms of an antagonistic sense, he, you know, he tortures her emotionally, but he definitely helps her. So I wouldn't consider him an antagonist. Buffalo Bill is, um, uh, the one who's, you know, he's so calculating, in how he kidnaps women and where he stores them and, like, keeping everyone from the scene of the crime, um, uh, that he makes it very hard for people to find his trace and find, like, the FBI and Clarice herself. So I think in, uh, when you look at him in particular, he's the definite antagonist. Um, and then in the very like end, like end of the scene, not the last scene, but the you know when you, when she's trying to, it's it's her versus Buffalo Bill. Yep. Like it, he's the oh, yeah. he's the conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the, like the climax of the film. So I'm going to Buffalo Bill in this one. I think he's a great villain. Oh, I yeah. think he's cunning. Mm-hmm. I think he's scary. He I think scary. he's creepy, uh, uh, intelligent, and uh, yeah, just a really really good complex and unique kind of villain. Mm-hmm. And. Now I'll move on to Moonlight. Now, Moonlight, okay. Here's what we think of when we think of antagonism. <laughs> oh. So, I don't want to... Uh, you I'm guys not, can't whatever. see this because this is audio.
1: Here's, Phoenix is pulling out a chalkboard yes. <laughs> and walking up to it. He's it's very using, elaborate. He's used right. some Obadiah state. Here. <laughs> I, need but
2: everyone what, to, what everyone else doesn't know is we all have guns pointed at Phoenix. Right? I need everyone to take these packets right now. <laughs> no. yeah, like, turn to page 37. Um, but but really, what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to say that... Society! Yeah, I'm not saying society is the antagonist. I'm not saying masculinity is the antagonist. I'm picking someone, and I'm going to pick Terrell. I'm going to pick the bully in the school. Because I think he is an embodiment of those things. He's the embodiment of why um, Chiron should... Or, not should, but why Chiron does feel shame for who he is and what he's growing up to be. Terrell is the embodiment of those things of toxic masculinity of the society and like poverty stricken Miami and stuff. And it's him who like being a bully and making Chiron feel terrible about himself and pushing him to his limits emotionally. Um, and you know, getting under his skin and making him feel bad about himself is the cause for why Chiron was like, why Chiron feels so terrible about himself and feels ashamed about himself. Um, and I think that ultimately affects shiron and come, makes him come into conflict because those actions cause him to become the man he is and cause him to uh, not accept himself. And so in that element, Terrell as the antagonist is doing a good job. He's very much making Shiron not being able to accept himself, not being able to um, accept his own homosexuality, feel bad about himself. Um, and so I think he does a good job. He is a minor role in this movie, and I understand that. That's why it's like, you know, a hard one to mm-hmm. yeah. argue for. Um, though I do think, even though he's a minor role in this, I think what he represents and his impact in the movie ultimately stops Sharon a lot or prevents him from being who he should be. And I think that's a strength in itself. Um, and yeah, I'd like to welcome you on in the thoughts of these two movies, and I understand. About Moonlight, and I want what We all would say, "I, uh,
0: I thought that was an interesting choice for Moonlight." I was racking my brain trying to think, like, "Who would it be?" And that was one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, you could even make the argument for Juan almost because he's kind of part way. Because yes, he's he's there, and he he obviously helps Shiron, and is a big. But he's also kind of fostering Shiron's problems by being the one who's selling drugs to his own mother. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. Um, it's not very cut and dry with this movie. Yeah, you can Where also pick, pick the mother. You screen. can also pick the mother, by extension. Um, I think that you have yeah you made a solid case for this one. Um, so I'm I'm pretty in agreement with it. And you didn't go with like poverty is the villain. Yeah, because.
2: Yeah, maybe the villain is us. You us.
3: Know? <laughs> us four white kids <laughs> yeah. in this Excuse house at this hey, moment. Three, three white, white kids. I mean, a
2: Hispanic white passing man.
1: <laughs> uh, oh no! I do. The think, privilege in this room is dripping. Oh, <laughs> I mean, one
2: hundred percent.
0: I do think uh, I'm. I'm. I applaud you not picking the obvious choice besides the lance yeah um and i do think buffalo bill is a very very solid villain um he's a great kind of match for clarice because the whole movie like clarice and hannibal lecter are on two different levels like she's not gonna catch him but she can catch buffalo bill Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of you know it's attainable for her and so he really is like the counterbalance to Clarice. And then Hannibal Lecter is kind of pulling the strings. So, yeah that's, yeah, that's what I think
2: about this. Cool. Yeah, I agree. with.
3: Yeah, I think I, I've always thought Buffalo Bill was the clear choice as mm-hmm. the antagonist of Sounds of the Lambs. Like, yeah, Hannibal Lecter is like much more iconic and he's considered to be like one of the worst villains of all time. But it's like, yes, Hannibal Lecter is a villain, but he is not. The villain of that movie. So yeah, I, I, I think yeah you made you made the obvious choice with Buffalo Bill. I can't. I don't know what I can say that hasn't already been said about him. He's he's bad. I do not like him. Uh, with Moonlight, uh, like I, I see what you're saying, but I also feel like a lot a lot of what you're saying. What, what what's his name again? Terrell. Terrell. A lot of what like Terrell embodies also like. A lot of it also comes from his also comes from Chiron's mother. And I think I I think it's actually like a lot worse coming from her because we like we see her like verbally abusing him about how he is when he's still little. And like we even see her like talk to Juan about it. And she's just kind of like, oh, like, yeah, you wanna you wanna tell him why he's so messed up? You wanna tell him why he walks the way he does? Or like when, whenever she's like chewing him out at the drug spot. And so I feel like, I'll, like, yes, Terrell's bad, but I feel like even though he represents all those things, he is also just like the school bully, and just he's he's just he's just kind of a douchebag. He's just kind of an asshole whereas like the mother i feel like coming from her it's so much worse cuz that that's really gonna affect i i i argue that the way Chiron's mother treats him impacts him a lot more than like how terrell Im- impacts him just cuz like from such a young age when it's just kind of like when his own mother like doesn't approve of him and doesn't want him to look at her or be around be around I feel like that's just gonna impact him to where he's just that so just ashamed passive quiet kid until Terrell just kinda like gives him that extra push to make him snap and go over the edge
2: yeah and I I do see that point um uh if if we like talking about the movie I understand that it they almost work as like kind of um co-villains or co-antagonists but I know we can't do that here cause what I was, when I was debating of um, picking uh, one or the other, I, I went with Terrell because I think... So I think with the mother... I think they both act in making Terrell... Or making Chevron feel terrible and not accepting of himself. Um, and they have similarities in what he... what Like why he feels the way he does and why he loses the shame. And I think one thing that the mother does that Terrell doesn't do is I think what the mother does is... The Mother makes him have an absence of love in his life because he has an abs- he doesn't have mm-hmm. his mother's love, and that's the only love that he could know at that time and when you don't have love in your life you you know you grow and you grow into a very hateful person and I think that's you know I think that's a good point. The only reason why I picked Terrell is I think one thing that this movie was really trying to tackle um in um uh, along with like, you know, the mother stuff, but I think a a big thematic element is the um the harsh reality of a like a toxic masculine world. And I think Terrell kind of brings that world in because he's your um he's kind of you're not, not stereotype, but your um your embodiment or model of like a very masculine uh um what like what to be expected kind of man who you know is very like hateful and um against uh like homosexuality Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and very unaccepting and i think um when someone when a man is struggling with stuff like that and is presented with someone who is also against that um I think that causes a lot of inner turmoil as well. And I think this movie one or one objective at the end of this movie is to kind of get over or Sharon for him to get over his own toxic masculine self. That's why, you know, in the third act, he becomes this like very, very masculine person with like, he with like huge muscles and the way he dresses, Mm -hmm. the way he drives and stuff. And I think that, um, that kind of is like a facade to kind of hide his, like, you know, his more soft and feminine self. Um, uh, so that's my reasoning for picking Terrell. I get your point too. And I don't even think that's wrong. Um, it was just my explanation for why I went with the Terrell route. I think the toxic masculinity parts pretty important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got you.
1: Um, if I can talk about these for a minute, uh, we'll start with you and like, we'll just kind of, that's what we were just talking about. Um, I think yeah you have you have a hard job here which is I mean the villain really of moonlight is society and homophobia and poverty and all these different you know big unnamed unseen you know ideas that haunt Chiron for the entirety of his life and only when he's an adult and really can be truthful with himself can he you know overcome these villains these societal Ideals. Um, That being said, I think each of the people that could potentially be villains, while they represent some form of all of these societal issues, they each kind of have, you know, some are more focused in on others. Like Tyrell is very focused on toxic masculinity, whereas, you know, his his mother and Juan are kind of about the cycle of poverty. Like there's so much going on that so many different people represent kind of all the different roadblocks in Chiron's path. That I think it's hard to pinpoint one exact villain. And while it's a very powerful movie and, you know, society as an antagonist is, while it's not tangible, is a very good, I mean, it sets up problems for Chiron. It it puts, it's hard to pinpoint an exact villain and that may be your stumbling block in at least this competition in this week. Um, And now let's talk about Silence of the Lambs because I don't know.
2: Unless you want to reiterate everything you've said about Moonlight already. Do you no, no, no. I I understand the yeah. hurdle, and I'm, you know, I I presented my case, um, and yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. So yeah, yeah, if you want to talk about Buffalo Bill,
1: Silence of the Lambs. I think a I think you went with the right choice there. I think you went, Buffalo Bill is for sure the you know real main antagonist of the film. There's a couple of issues I have with Buffalo Bill that while maybe aren't issues with his character. In general, I think are issues that like we'd be remiss if we didn't look at. And I think that's a lot of it, is like the trans misogyny in Silence of the Lambs, you know? Yeah. Especially when we're talking about such like a quote unquote woke film like Moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> I think so the fact that the film sets up Buffalo Bill as like a like something's wrong with him for being transgender. Like like I'm try I pulled up the quote earlier. Uh Hannibal Lecter says about uh Buffalo Bill who we kind of Hannibal is considered our kind of authority on Buffalo Bill, right? He says, Billy hates his own identity, you see. He thinks that makes him a transsexual, but his pathology a thousand times more savage and more terrifying. And like the idea that just because that he's not transgender, just he thinks he is, it's a, it's a very toxic idea, I think. And it sets up that like this idea, this trope almost of, the transgender killer, like that we see Mm -hmm. in, you know, Psycho, we see it in so many other places and it, I don't know, it's a little bit toxic. It's not a healthy trope. (laughs) And I, I mean, it's still Buffalo Bill's still a very good character, very terrifying, gets the job done, but I thought we should at least talk about that a little bit.
2: Right. And I mean, I, I understand the, um, the, the trans misogyny is like exists in this film. And I Mm -hmm. think like, when you point, when you look at quotes like that, and like the um, ideas um, that are in that in that movie, you, you definitely can feel like the time of the the time of the movie mm-hmm. or whatever. You you know like um, that that obviously doesn't age well or, mm-hmm. or and stuff. And of course, like I, I you know don't agree with that kind of outlook. Right, I'm not saying but do, for sure. In terms of antagonists, I don't necessarily see um, see it kind see it affecting him because. Uh, for Buffalo Bill, I think that it's not. It's I. Th- I don't think his problem is his his outlook on like like his transgender lifestyle or, mm-hmm. um, or his you know non traditional lifestyle. Um, uh, I think his outlook is very is more um, like with the idea of beauty and the idea of um, flawlessness, yep. you know, he has like, mm-hmm. like he's, he's cutting them up to have their skin mm-hmm. and wear it as a dress. Right. Like, I think it's more based on image. Oh yeah. And, um, he's got a lot yeah. more problem.
1: Yeah. No, which yeah. That sounds like I just Wait. said that being transgender is a problem. It's not, I don't know. Like, yeah, like, no, I didn't
0: get that to kind of build on that a little bit. Yeah. I agree that it is, um, it's not necessarily handled the best way in this film. Yes. Um, I will say that, uh, I think they kind of they kind of pivot that as like his reason mm-hmm. for doing things is like like a yeah like an image thing or an identity kind of thing, but they definitely make it pretty clear that his villainy comes from like murdering and wearing people's skin.
2: Oh like, yeah, 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 and
1: I think, um, but it does posit Buffalo Bill as this you know non traditional lifestyle having you know trans they say transsexual a lot which is obviously not the you know yeah, accepted think, term anymore no, yeah, yeah. but I they posit him him her whatever her preferred his or her preferred pronouns are you know they posit that against clarice who's your clean cut fbi agent heterosexual you know like there's a lot going on you know just under the surface there that i think it, I'm not saying it necessarily makes Buffalo Bill a bad antagonist, but it is something I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about
2: yeah a bit. i I see what you're saying, but I feel like that's more just a critique of the film mm-hmm. the the film's handling of the situation and not necessarily Buffalo yeah. Bill's like strength of a, yeah. as of an antagonist which you know like I mean uh yeah i I see that it's like mm-hmm. kind of an issue but um I don't know if I would agree that it applies to Buffalo Bill as like an antagonist you know. Against Clary Sterling, or uh, yeah, Clary's um, Clarice's goal to like capture Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a critique of you know the the writers, uh, the writers, and like the material of this film don't handle that kind of topic very well. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So that's my take on that.
3: I'm I'm gonna play devil's devil's advocate real quick, just because I feel like that could like. Saying that like that like handling that issue that's that's at the fault of the writing and that's not like that's not like part of the antagonist. So I'm just gonna play devil's advocate real quick and just like on the flip side of that at the other edge of the sword with Terrell. Like yes, he represents and embodies all of that, but is that him is that part of him being the antagonist, or is that the writers dealing with this issue? If you if you see what I'm saying.
2: Um I think okay so what you're saying is like uh, you know Tyrell is embodying a lot of these like um, social like these social ideas like that are toxic preventing yeah, the toxic masculinity and the homophobia
3: right. and all that but it's like is that does that strengthen him being the antagonist or is that more or does that fit as, or is that right. the or do you give that praise to the writers and how they're handling these issues well, yeah.
2: yeah well I think the distinction yeah. between that is like in *The Silence of the Lambs*, Buffalo Bill is not saying he. Early, it's not. He's not saying it. It's not clear that he's like, I am killing people because I'm transgender and I I don't like or and I think badly or something. It's in Silence of the Lambs*. It is like the FBI's kind of trying to find a reason for it, which is not Buffalo Bill. It's like the FBI, which is where I think that's where the fault in the character comes from. But in Terrell and Moonlight, he says a lot of homophobic and a lot of toxic masculine dialogue, and okay. he acts in toxic toxic yep. masculine actions, which is more reflective to his character. Okay, so that's where that's where I draw the distinctions. Um, if right. Buffalo Bill were to say something like that, or like if it was clear that his thing was, uh, he like, I'm is I'm
3: transsexual, so I'm gonna kill you because you're not.
2: Yeah. If it okay, was like, yeah. I,
3: yeah I, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was just.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad to make it that clear. Okay, cool, yeah, cool. I think we've talked
1: about these quite a bit. All right, Brett, you want to move Brett. on to your two picks?
2: Yeah, sure.
3: Okay, so I'll start with RoboCop. Uh, I'm actually not entirely sure with RoboCop because you have two, two bad guys, but uh, I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with Clarence Boddicker on this one. Because you see, you see a lot more of Clarence mm-hmm. throughout the movie and like, yes, Dick Jones is kind of like not pulling his strings, but it's kind of like, like does kind of own him and owns the police and like, yeah, but you, you see a lot more of Clarence. You see a lot more of Clarence's direct actions rather than Dick, Dick Jones.
2: Mm-hmm. So, uh, can, you remind me, can you remind me which one Clarence is again?
3: He's the dad from that '70s show.
2: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one way to think of it. I
0: heard what Her- Smith. Yes, I meant
2: more in the, the movie, but that
3: answered my question. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was getting there. Yes, because yeah. uh, he's like the he's like the crim like he's the crime lord of old Detroit and was going to be the crime lord of new Detroit until he got killed. But uh, yeah, he's responsible for Alex Murphy being blown to bits. And being turned into RoboCop, he kills people pretty indiscriminately. Uh, if Dick Jones has got the money, he'll go out and kill anybody. He kills cops, which is, I mean...
1: That's he what he gets, turns him in for. This guy's a cop killer.
3: Like, yeah, that's what he gets turned in for. And so it's like, you can't really get any worse than that. Oh, yeah. And, and so it's just and he's just always there. He's always got his finger on the pulse of what's going on and he's always just on top of the game. He's always got the best weapons and he's 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 willing to sacrifice his own men if they're just going to drag him down and ruin the job. Uh he like he he's even willing to turn in his boss just to save his own skin. It's mm-hmm. Just he's just the he is the scum of the scum or as Alex Murphy says, uh, "Buddy, I think you're slime." And that is just, he is the slimiest of the slimies. And so I just think, like yeah, I just think he's really bad. Uh, and as as Carter said, antagonist should be like the reflection of the protagonist. And I feel like, yeah, he is just, you could not get a darker reflection of RoboCop Alex Murphy than you can with Clarence Boddicker. He just... Stands for everything RoboCop doesn't. He tears down everything RoboCop does stand for. And it's just... Buddy, I think he's slime. Ooh, I'm talking a lot. Uh, So, yeah. That's RoboCop. That's Clarence Boddicker. Lilo and Stitch. I... I... I do not know, really. Because there are... I was, are,
1: there I was are wondering no, what you were going to choose.
3: Because there are, there are three different villains throughout the movie. Two of them turn out to be good guys in the end. And the other guy that's on, like, only seen as bad is only in the movie for like maybe 10 minutes. Uh,
2: I was curious to what you were going to say with this because I also think it's a pretty mixed bag here. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to say that the
3: antagonist is Cobra Bubbles just because he is... He is drawn as an antagonist. He is kind of portrayed as like the bad guy. And you don't find out he's a good guy until like the very, very end of the movie. And like, just cause he's, he's the social worker. He's the one that is going to take Lilo away, but he's, he's also like very multifaceted. He's got the levels to him. Cause it's like, this is his job. He does. He clearly does not enjoy doing what he does. But he's doing what he has to. This is his job. Carter, you're giving me... <laughs> you're making some faces. I'm, oh, uh, are you Are you disagreeing with me very hard over there, Carter?
1: I absolutely agree with you. And I'll... I'll, I'll get to why when you finish kind just, of talking about it.
3: Just... And just because, like... Just because he is kind of presented as an antagonist for the majority of the movie. And he, like... He doesn't approve of how Nani's living with Lilo, but he also doesn't quite understand what's going on. He doesn't approve of Stitch, but he also doesn't know Stitch is an alien until the very end. And it's like, you could say Jumba and Pleakley are the antagonists, but they're just kind of bumbling doofuses that...
1: Yeah, they're very comic relief. It's just very,
3: very comic relief. And they, yeah, and then, like, you could say Captain Gantu is the antagonist, but, like, you see him at the very beginning, and he's just the captain of this galactic council or like of the military or whatever then you don't see him until the very end when he's just brought into capture stitch and even then again he's only in the movie for like five ten minutes at that point and he's just doing his job and they're just kind of like oh like he's the bad guy there he is which is why i which is why i argued that copra bubbles would be the antagonist just because he's got he's kind of got that just I don't want to say malevolent because that sounds too harsh, but he does have just kind of that, like, air of... quality. Like, yeah, he's just kind of got that villainous quality, that air of, like, just not danger about him whenever he's on screen. Just because, you know, it's kind of like, oh, like, they need to do good or this guy's not going to do good to them. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of like he's kind of like what makes or breaks the family when you get down to it. Yeah, And so it's like Lilo and Stitch, it's kind of hard to hammer out who like the antagonist would be. I think that also comes with, as we talked about on the Best Protagonist episode, how you yourself, Carter, said Lilo and Stitch is a package deal. It's both of them. You can't, it can't be one or the other. And so I feel like with the antagonist deal, that kind of comes out of there being like an unclear or dual protagonist. So, if you agree with me, that's fine. I'm personally offended, but that's fine.
0: <laughs> I, uh, here, let me, so, explain, yeah, let me um, okay. explain my own um, I'm, i like, nodding. Yeah,
3: that's, that's what we're here for.
0: Have yeah. Your thoughts. Um, before, before Robbie dives in, uh, here's where I'm coming from. Let's start with Robocop, just for a change of pace, real quick. Um, I, going into it, was thinking, Clarence Boddicker was kind of, eh. But you made a very solid case. Um, I still kind of think he's very, um, I'm gonna say, like, cookie cutter. But you're right, he is, as I said, he's the balanced RoboCop, which is what's important in a villain, and an antagonist. Um, and you really, you really did kind of save him for me. Um, with your defense. Um, with Lilo and Stitch, I agree that, um, that Bubbles is kind of made to look like the villain, but I posit that there are a number of factors throughout that kind of show he's not. Um, I think that the situation they find themselves in with him is what's unfortunate, but I think that he himself is not an antagonist because I think he's very much there to do his job and ultimately he's there for Lilo and he kind of says as much and Mm. he he definitely cares about them and doesn't want to break them up but it's kind of, if he has to, he will and so I think it is, it's more the ticking clock that, oh no, what if something happens and he takes Lilo away more so than, like, he himself is the antagonist that is, like, the bad guy of the movie. Um, I think you don't necessarily have... There isn't necessarily a strong, like, as you said, bad guy or antagonist with it. Um, I think Gantu is the closest. I think he... Um, he's there at the beginning, as you said, and he does check in periodically throughout the movie. Um, when they have like communiques with the councilwoman. And I think there's a couple of scenes. No, you only see him
3: at the very
1: beginning and the very
3: end. There's
0: yeah. not. No. There's no. Okay. There's
1: check ins between. Is it just the, the, the that, council that's councilwoman? Okay. And that's only like, Jumbo okay. Jumbo, but and that's only, like okay. once or twice.
0: But yeah, I still think like. Because even Gantu at the end is is like disgruntled that he couldn't, you know, follow through. Like, he's very kind of like.
3: As anybody would be if they failed at the one job mm-hmm. that they had.
0: I know, but I do think he's. Definitely more of the, what's at least framed as the bad guy. And you do make an interesting point about Bubbles, but I do think it's more, I think it's more the situation they find themselves in, not necessarily the character, because the character is very sympathetic to their situation. And I think that kind of inherently makes him less antagonistic, because he doesn't want to do this, and it's just kind of, he's doing his job, and doing what's best for Lilo. Yeah,
3: that's what that's what I was saying. By that makes him multi, like that gives him the levels and the nuance and layers to his character. Is that like, yeah, he doesn't like he does not get any pleasure out of this. He does not enjoy doing this. It's just mm-hmm. his job, but it is what he has to do.
0: I know, but I still think that it's that almost to a point because he's a sympathetic character. Except, like he's,
3: except he's never really shown to be. Sympathetic until When he's just kind of like, I'm sorry Like, I'll be back in the morning for Lilo Because you see him, he's just this big Rough, tough looking guy Wearing the sunglasses mm-hmm. Just wearing the black suit And like, when he curls up his finger When he curls up his oh, I'm sorry, when he curls up his fingers you hear, you hear that threatening knuckle crack And it's like, he's got mm. the words cobra Tattooed on his knuckles He is very much portrayed Oh no, he's as, definitely as, portrayed to be like, he he's not seen as sympathetic at all until that one scene. And then even then, like, immediately after that, when you see him again, when the house has been destroyed, he's just totally chewing Nani out. When she's kind of like, you can't do this. Like, I'm what she needs. And he's like, just like, is this what she needs? Like, this is not the life that she needs. Like, I need to take her from you now. Because, like, clearly, he's like, but this you know, isn't I mean, right. From but, his perspective.
1: Well, I'll get into that. Though. Yeah. Because from, yeah, from
0: his perspective...
3: But yeah, you're making it sound like he's sympathetic throughout the entire movie. But you have to look at him holistically. Which I am.
0: Because, like, yes, it's not until later in the movie that you learn that, but then you can retroactively think throughout his motivations at the beginning that he definitely doesn't want to do this.
3: And I think that just adds to his character. I
0: yeah. just think that makes him inherently not antagonistic.
1: We'll see. <laughs> I think you guys are at an impasse there. A little I don't, bit, yeah. But
3: but going going to Robocop real quick and saying like saying Clarence's cookie cutter, I think we've touched on villains being cookie cutters. Yeah,
0: like, no. Like yeah. No, I yeah, mm-hmm. I just I just thought like I said, that's my kind of inherently going into it, I was like, I don't know, but then you made a you made a case and was, you swayed mm-hmm.
1: me. Yeah. So Okay. Um I'll start with Robocop. I got I got a bad feeling about I was this episode so. Uh, I, at first I, I think you made the absolute right decision. I was thinking you had two choices with Dick Jones and Clarence Boddicker and I think your more classic villain, your antagonist to Robocop is absolutely Clarence. Like there's, even though Dick Jones is the mastermind who's bankrolling him, like really your evil villain, like, you know, you're ruthless, like even if he's somewhat cookie cutter, I think there's, I think there's something to Robocop that is about, you know, kind of cookie cutter mm-hmm. action yeah. characters and stuff and but it's about what they do with them rather than where they start or you know what they're made from. They're but I think you chose a great villain. He's awesome. He makes the movie more fun to watch. He provides a great foil to Robocop. Uh Lilo and Stitch, I absolutely agree with you. And I was worried you were gonna pick Gantu or something and be like I was like, oh no, he's only in like twelve minutes of the movie. Like there's and with Cobra Bubbles, I, and social workers in FOMA in general, like, I, I'm thinking about the Florida Project, not just because the poster's on the wall right there, but um, the Florida Project's a good example of that, too, where <laughs> Brett is pointing the microphone at a poster that cannot speak. For for, for the folks at home. <laughs> um, but the Florida Project... Visual gags are really, posits, very good for podcasts. <laughs> I know. You can't see it. Florida Project and Lilo and Stitch both posit social workers as these villainous entities in these people's lives, people that are in situations with single guardian, single parent households, especially with young guardians. And they're, they're not bad in the sense that they have malintention towards the antagonist. But when you're rooting for the cause, I guess, of the film is for, Lilo, Stitch, and Nani to stay together and have a family and, you know, keep that Ohana. I mean, Bubbles really is in the way of that. And that's, that's what I think makes him so great is while he's doing what is probably right. I mean, Lilo's in a dangerous situation outside of even like the house blowing up. Like she's in a situation where She has a mother who can't hold down a job or a sister who can't hold down a job and that's her sole guardian. She's getting into fights with other people her age. Like, it's not a great environment for Lilo. But the goal that we're rooting for is for them to settle down and make this family their own. And I think Bubbles gets in the way of that and is the antagonist that stops that. Um, I love Cobra Bubbles as an antagonist. I think that while he has good intentions he is still the roadblock in their way.
3: Yeah. And what what you're saying about like the intentions and with Carter talking about how the sympathetic angle does not make him a villain. I want to jump back to when Phoenix was talking about like the villain in Black Panther, how it's like you understood what, what he was doing and like, you kind of like agree with him to an extent. So it's like you agree with him. Does that mean he's, does that kind of negate, like him being an antagonist, kind of like you are saying with him being sympathetic. No, cause the, the villain like, of black
0: Panther was an extremist. Like he had, he had like motivations that were sympathetic, but when he was going out and kind of indiscriminately murdering people, that's definitely like Cobra bubbles. Doesn't go around indiscriminately murdering people in Lilo and stitch.
1: No, but Cobra bubbles is the main block to our protagonist's goal. I know, but it's still he's. I'm.
2: You're. You're at a point where. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You know, yeah i okay because I. I want to also present because I. I still don't know if I agree with Carter or you, but there, uh, I'll start with RoboCop first. <laughs> okay. Carter and bread for the, get, get
3: the easy one out yeah. of the way.
2: Start with RoboCop first. I like the pick. Um. Uh. Similar to Princess Bride, I think it complements the mm-hmm. the Definitely. protagonist. I mean. Clarence is like pure. Clarence's parents have a real nice marriage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not the right movie, oh, but God. yes. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Clarence is the embodiment of like the opposite of justice, and Robocop is the embodiment of pure, true justice. So it's, they kind of go hand in hand, and, and you know, the yin to the yang. Um, so I think that's a very solid pick. Um, and uh, this is, okay, also similar to you, Brett. In that you haven't seen Princess Bride in a while and are pretty hazy on it, I haven't seen Lilo and Stitch <laughs> since elementary school, and I yeah. was able to go off of memory for a while for like what three or four episodes now. Can't do it this time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask questions first, and then I'll give my thinking of this pick. Ooh, boy. Okay, first I want to clarify that what I remember from the movie the being the main. Crux of the, like the main conflict was Stitch, um, you know, comes to Earth, Lilo finds Stitch and Stitch is an alien who's prone to chaos and destruction. um, But, you know, has a like a like you know, likes Lilo um, and has like a, grows a friendship with her and Lilo likes Stitch because Stitch is kind of like a dog slash friend who, you know, she's like a lonely girl or something but you know they're kind of um they she has to hide that fact right is that the main crux and then she has to hide that while also deal with stitches kind of chaos a little bit that's like the main conflict i would say yeah yeah you know, um second question does lilo hide stitch from nani no no, no 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 very no. openly they're is also pretty open
1: that he's not Really a dog They just don't know What else to call him Like Okay yeah. yeah
3: Cause Nani takes Lilo to the Animal shelter Because she hears Lilo like Wishing on What she thinks Is a falling star For a friend And so Nani takes her To the pound Where she adopts Stitch I was kind of like, no, that thing's not a dog, but we don't know what it is. Okay. It was
1: dead. <laughs>
3: like, yeah, it's like okay. it was dead this morning, was hit by a truck. Like, okay. it's a dog, I think.
2: Okay, because I remember Nani knowing. I just didn't know when yeah, in the no, movie no, she found out, but no, it sounds no, pretty early. Nobody
3: knows Stitch is an alien until the end of it. Yeah,
2: except Lilo and Nani do at the beginning.
3: No. They just
1: know that Stitch
3: they, they isn't quite a they, dog. They know, he's, oh, di- so they know, they he's, know he's different, but they don't know he's an alien until, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie when Stitch... When showed, all the
2: alien stuff's revealed. Yeah, when, when all
3: the alien stuff, like, happens and comes to a head. When, like, when Gantu shows up.
2: Got it. Okay, final question. When you say that he become, When you say that Cobra Bubbles becomes a good guy at the end, what do you mean?
3: Like, because...
2: Because he's, he, be he, he, just... he's
3: doing all the social worker stuff, and then at the very end of the movie, after all, after all the alien stuff has come to a head... Uh, And the Grand Council woman from outer space, she arrives with her massive, like, mothership. And she comes to, like, relieve Captain Gantu of his duties. And, like, she sees Cobra Bell. She's like, don't I know you from somewhere? He's kind of like, oh, like, I actually was part of, like...
1: Was was it Roswell?
3: Like, Roswell or some, like, some secret agency that, like, convinced the aliens to not, like, blow up the earth or... He's the the one that
0: mosquitoes subplot.
3: Yeah, yeah, because he's like, oh yeah, I convinced these aliens that the mosquitoes were an endangered species, so they wouldn't destroy the planet or gasos or something. He's just kind of like, yeah, I helped save the planet once, and that's just. But but yeah, he's CIA
1: or FBI or something. Something.
3: It's one line at the very end of the movie. Okay.
1: Well, then he agrees
3: to watch and protect them. Yeah, but then you never see him again in the series or the sequels. I mean,
2: but. Yeah, you know. but he does not show okay. up in the photo that, montage at the end. That, that's yeah. true. So here is my judgment with this like little recap of the movie, like trying to connect the dots in my brain. I don't think oh. I like this pick very well, oh, but it, but it, I don't think it's up. I don't think it's your fault because I feel like this movie kind of is not. There kind of isn't a real villain in it. In a similar sense. <laughs> to moonlight though with like very less like realistic stakes but i think the um the main issue of the movie is um like trying to keep the family together with stitch um without stitches uh without the aliens interrupting and you know like taking stitch back without stitch causing chaos and having to be um Either taken away or like causing harm to Lilo and Nani, and so when I when like when I think of Cobra Bubbles, I think of him as kind of a nice warning and relief, but I think he's not in direct conflict with Stitch and uh, Lilo because I think the The conflict is like they keep i guess hiding stitch or the conflict is that um uh that you know they they can't really or it seems like they can't be a family together, and I don't necessarily see Cobra being a very direct like no they can't you know what I, do you you understand what i'm saying I, I i think i do like i i think it's more of just. The conflict is how could this fam, how could Stitch and Lilo get along, or not get along, but how could they, ser- like, be a family realistically, with like the stuff with like the aliens coming and the stuff with like Stitch's like behavior and chaos and stuff, and not necessarily in relation to Cobra Bubbles, who is more just kind of a warning of these matters and never actually like, no, y'all can't be together, you know? So, okay. like, well, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, my my my
3: last my last ditch effort defense here. Okay, is uh, just going back to Carter's antagonist reflect being a reflection of the protagonist. It's Cobra Bubbles. He's always he's clean and trimmed. He is order at all times. Always cool and collected, as compared to Stitch and Lilo, who are not always calm, cool, and collected. Are very much.
1: He's a model citizen and Stitch is not.
3: Like yeah, they're they're all more Which is ca- what he
1: challenges Stitch to. Yeah, which is what I would say is the like the chaos and everything my, whereas so I'm just we're, we're go in ba- breadth. Base, based on all these my, different things that have been thrown around which is trying to My last defense for Cobra would be that he puts the challenge in front of Stitch Lilo and Stitch which is one of the reasons one of the things Cobra is checking on is whether or not Stitch becomes what he calls a model citizen and that's a and I mean, their bonding experience is over them trying to turn Stitch into a model citizen. And I think because he presents that challenge, because he is kind of ultimately the one that gets to decide whether this family stays together, that would be why I would say he's the antagonist.
2: Okay. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll drop it there. we're running super long. I was gonna say
1: we're running a little
0: long, so let's Ooh. see if we can get to our favorites of the week. Yeah, okay. let's. Right. So we've all yeah, talked. Let's, let's, you know, all let's all pick movies. our favorite. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> my favorite of the week is um, I'm, yeah, I'm not even I'm not even gonna try to. I love Prince Humperdinck. Like, and yeah, it might be okay. tacky to pick my own movie, <laughs> but that guy is so much fun. <laughs> He's just so pompous and over really? the
1: top. Um
0: so yeah that's that's my favorite of the week.
2: Cool.
1: Your favorite of the week? I am going to pick for my favorite of the week. I think I've got to go with Obadiah Stane. I know he's your classic comic book villain. He's a lot of fun to watch. I I can't say much more. <laughs>
2: Um, my pick of the week was actually going to be from Brett, so it was going to be Clarence uh, from RoboCop. Close second on mine, actually. Thank you, thank you. Thank you yeah, Phoenix. I think he's a, you know, he's a perfect foil, and he's just a lot of fun in the movie. So I, when it, when it the his role works that well, and he's that entertaining, you know, I think it's just like a kind of like a perfect villain. So uh-huh. I think it's a good one. Well,
3: thank you. Uh, I'm going to be tacky. I also picked Clarence Bottacher. He is my favorite antagonist of the week. Just. Like, like Phoenix said, and just, he's also got one of the best one-liners mm-hmm. in film history when uh, he shows up and he uh, grabs, uh, what? I'm, what's his bucket? What, he grabs, what's his name? And he sees the prostitutes. And he just waltzes in the room, and just goes. Bitches leave and they run out. It's just, <laughs> you can't top that. He's got one of the best one-liners in film history.
1: He's great. True, true. Yeah. Now, reverse order. So, let's yeah. let's now choose we've, our... Uh, we've, we've come to that time where... we got to shoot somebody off the so moon. Shoot I'm somebody keeping off that. the moon or... Let's keep that um, for the kick, rest of the... Kicked off the mountain. Tearing my kicked hair off the out mountain right now. Uh,
3: okay, all right, I'm going to do this. It's going to be quick. It's going to be painless. It's going to be short and sweet. I'm going to go... My vote is for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade just because we're talking about people being cookie-cutter, generic, not, nothing to write home about, and it's just kind of like, he's a Nazi, he's a bad guy, and I just feel like there wasn't enough there to just, like, make him memorable or to be kind of like, oh, this is why he's a really bad antagonist. It's just, he's he is the bad guy, as opposed to everything that was said about everyone else. So, I'm sorry, Carter.
2: That's fine. All right. Phoenix? Um... I think I'm gonna have to go with Lilo and Stitch. I don't think I fully believe the antagonism or the antagonistic view of him, especially uh, going off of the challenge for Stitch to be a model citizen. I think that I think that's kind of, in a way, proof that he's not an antagonistic person because he's trying to help them prove that they can stay together as long as Stitch is like, somewhat of a model citizen. He doesn't try to separate them, but he tries to, you know, challenge Lilo to, like, turn Stitch into, like, into someone livable, which I think is more helpful than actually antagonistic. I see the point of him being, like, kind of an opposite, but I don't think I buy his antagonism and his direct conflict as strong as the other villains that we have here.
1: Okay. For my pick, this is going to be interesting. It'll be a third different... It'll be a different person. I... I'm sorry, I gotta pick Terrell the Bully from Moonlight. I think that the villain and the antagonist of that film is too intangible, untangible, whatever the correct word there is. It's too hard to reach for, and it's in every character that surrounds Sharon through that film, and I just don't think that Terrell's your strongest example of it, or that he's, you know, while he represents something greater, he's not actually the antagonist.
0: So here's what I'm gonna say: four-way tie, four-way tie, four-way tie, <laughs> Real quick, real quick. Please, real quick. Um, please, Brett. I almost actually voted off my own film this week. I almost agreed with you, but we had such we had such solid discourse with about Lilo and Stitch. Um, but I still I'm with Phoenix. I don't think that I think Bubbles has some antagonistic like he's framed that way but i think as a character he's not the antagonist so unfortunately this week we must say
1: goodbye so are we is that what we're doing we're just saying simple, simple plurality yeah, yeah okay plurality. i just wanted to check that yeah make sure we didn't need to go into nope between those four or something
2: yeah, nope it's already so, long as it is it, is, <laughs> it was incredibly so, long
1: that's why i was worried real
0: quick yeah real quick recommendations and sign off uh my recommendation of the week uh, a couple weeks ago: Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD finished its run. Fantastic show, four seasons. Uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, I highly recommend it. Uh, great companion of the Clone Wars TV series too. If you watch that, you can find me on Twitter at ca spilliards. Like spill something in your yard and add an S.
3: Uh, Find me on Snapchat Brett J H N S N number one. Uh, slice life stories. Uh, I'm going to recommend Escape from the Planet of the Apes. It is the third movie in the original Planet of the Apes, Quintology. It's one of the only two good ones. It starts as a screwball comedy, and then it goes to some very dark places.
2: Uh, I am at phoenix on Twitter. Uh, follow me there. Uh, hope you enjoy my tweets. Um, for my recommendation, um, I haven't watched much recently, but I'll go with... Uh, the show Crashing on HBO, I in quite enjoy that series a lot. If you're a fan of the comedian Pete Holmes, you'll also 100% enjoy the show. And I've just finished it because it just wrapped its latest season, so check that out. All right. I am Robbie underscore DeShazer on Twitter and
1: Instagram. Go follow me at those places. My recommendation this week, I'm going to go with uh, the documentary Last Minute in Aleppo. It was nominated for an Oscar, did not win, but I think it pairs really well with an Oscar winner from a couple years ago, White Helmets. Watch both of those. They're both really interesting. I felt like I didn't know a lot about the Syrian crisis, and now I feel like I do. And so, because that, real good film. Check it out. Yeah. But, all together, this has been a great long episode yeah. of Film Fracas. Thanks for, well, thanks it's for it's staying been, with it's us. It's been an episode of Film <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay tuned. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next next week. week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Film Fracas. We know there are a lot of shows on the web, and we are so glad you took the time to listen to ours. Thank you to Brett Johnson, Carter Spilliards, and Phoenix Arola for helping to write and produce each episode of the show. There's no team behind Film Fracas. It's just us. So consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help get the word out. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Film Practice. Once again, thanks for listening, and we can't wait for you to hear the next episode.